Hi, and I am Ivy Lasseter, and I am so glad you're here on the Four Parents Podcast. You can go ahead and pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who have been there. About a month ago, I heard a sermon in a room full of people, and it felt like the entire message was just for me. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. It's like, okay, I think he's talking just to me here. And it was a guest preacher at our church, and his name is Carlos. I noticed while he was preaching that his six-year-old son was on the front row. And as I was being totally moved by this sermon, I also felt this little voice inside say, he needs to be on the podcast. So side note on this, this is one of the things, y'all, I really, really love about being able to do this podcast. I have totally released control of who I get to talk to on here, like totally. And I have handed that over to God. So I pray a lot that God would point me to the next person. And it's the sweetest thing, y'all. He does. And through that, I get to meet these incredible people and hear about their experiences and what God has done through them and then share it with you. It's like the sweetest gift to me. So anyways, after the service, I beelined it up to Carlos and told him how moved I was and then asked if he would be on my podcast. And miraculously, he said, of course. (laughs) I'm always surprised by that when people are like, yes, I'd love to. So besides the fact that God prompted me to ask Carlos, I didn't know much about him, honestly. I walked away from this conversation, though, so full, like so full in the greatest possible way. And I texted a few of my people, Fran and Steph, and I was like, y'all, I just had the best conversation. And it really was the best conversation. And so I'm just going to let you jump into the conversation like I did with very few details beforehand. Here it is. So let's jump in. And I want to get a picture of your parents and what your upbringing was like. Sure. Um, So uh, my upbringing was um, a little bit probably different from most people. I okay. was adopted at the age of three. Oh. Uh, so I never knew um, my biological parents. Uh-huh. I have pictures of my mom, but never knew my biological parents. I lived in a foster home in Como, Texas, uh-huh. till I was at the age of three. Now I have older brothers, other older siblings um, that have always been there for me. Yeah. Uh, Miss Mitchell was our foster mom. And I was on a thing called Wednesday's Child. Um, they still run it today where they... Uh, have pictures and kind of promote foster children. And that's where my adopted parents saw me on. No way. And so they saw me and in the midst of them seeing me, um, they said we wanna they were older couples, so they wanted they had they already they already have older siblings. My father already had older daughters, older sons. My adopted mom already had older daughters, but they wanted because they got married later on, uh-huh. they wanted their own kind of their child. Got and it. And so they looked at me and said, oh, We want this kid. But of course I have siblings that's in foster care. So they brought True. all of us. Biological uh, siblings. Biological and siblings. And how old are they? Uh Tony is seven years older than me, so I want to say 47, and my sister's 46, I want to say. Okay. Or somewhere in there. Okay. So they were older than Sure. Yeah. Significantly okay. older. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so they adopted all of us. Oh, the three of you. And then we moved into a home 
talking about my biological siblings that I already had two older sisters. I already had two older sisters that were by my mom. Uh-huh. And so it's 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 a blended family, yeah. to say the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how. And then just growing up, by the time I was nine, those parents that were adopted uh, adopted us, they gotten divorced. Mm-hmm. And both those parents got remarried and, and also adopted another younger brother. So it was just a whole lot of things going on in my upbringing. Do you remember being in foster care? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I remember. What I re- do you remember about that? Um, I remember uh, uh, playing sports. I remember other foster children there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I remember Miss Mitchell, who was our foster mother. Yeah. I remember going outside, eating just life, day to day life as a foster child. You know. Would you say it was good? Like you know, as a probably a three year, it was awesome because that's yeah. all you know. Yeah, yeah You don't yeah. have nothing to compare it to. Yeah. And so, as long as I had my siblings, right, then I was good. Right. So, yeah. So then, y'all, you moved into this new home, new new loca- new city, completely. Uh, not new city. We still were in Fort Worth. Oh, okay. But just different area. Okay. Yeah, it was on. We were, we moved. We was in Como. Where our foster home was, but we moved into the north side of Fort Worth. Okay. And so, yeah. Do you remember that? All of it. I remember all. I remember every place we've ever moved and all the inner workings of all that happened. Wow. Yeah. Did it feel, I don't know, maybe traumatic is too strong of a word, but like what was the divorce like? Yeah, the divorce was, I guess, a little bit confusing. Okay. Um, because, um, for me, it was my adopted mom. She was the one that wanted to adopt and my father adopted father. Um, he was, uh, he wanted to please her. Got it. So when the divorce happened, I went actually with my father and my siblings went with my father. And and so that was confusing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was just a part of the experience now. No, we st- I still went from home to home, but the pro- majority of the time I stayed with my dad. Like He was primary custody holder for me wow. and my siblings, my biological siblings. <clears throat> are you? Are they still alive? Do you have a relationship with them? Yeah, still? well, my father's passed. He passed. Okay. And he's always, we've been, um, um, we've been, ex- he was, you know, the closest um, between my two parents. Um, my mother's adopted mom's relationship, we were strained for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, because by that time, I you know, you, you didn't know what it was, but it was this abandonment thing mm, that started popping up. Yeah. Um, and so you didn't know. For me, it was more dealing with mothers. I didn't understand why my biological mom wasn't uh-huh. there. I didn't understand why I was put away from my foster mom. Right. And then the one that wanted me or presumed wanted me, yeah. you know, that was, you know, um, separated from her. And so... Uh, my father figure, my father, my life has always kind of been my rock. Yeah. And so, I, because I knew the things that he was doing was to please my uh, adopted mom, but it was opportunities for us to go back into foster care. And he was like, "No." He decided, "I'm going to step I'm up." Step yeah. Up. And he, once again, he has grown children. Um, right. By this time, he has twenty-year-olds and you know, fully grown children, and he's about to adopt. Well, he's about to take on three. Um. Um, uh, foster kids. Right. So, yeah. Now that you're an adult, you obviously have more perspective and understanding, yeah, right? absolutely. Like, 
Well, I think I do at least. <laughs> right. Like, do you see why, how it happened? What happened? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I get this. Um, life happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that helped was about three, maybe four years ago, or maybe even five, um, I finally got to a point when I wanted to find out my biological family. Really? Because that door was still wide open. They had no sense of closure with that. And yeah. that was the that was the engine driving everything. Uh-huh. All of my fears was the unknown. I see. Yeah. Um, and so I started to find out some information and got some contact with some people with some biological family, which was awesome. How'd you do that? Uh, well, um, my older sister, um, it's, I don't know, it's kind of a mosh pit. But, oh, okay. Um, I actually have, my, my original folks are from Akron, Ohio. Okay. So, shouts out to LeBron James and <laughs> Steph Curry because they're from Akron, Ohio, or born in Akron, Ohio. But anyway. <laughs> you, but, uh, you realize why you liked them. Right, Because you're like, it was in my blood. It was you in, know? I was yeah. always, I was destined. <laughs> but, um, but, so, uh, when I started, I had... I think I had a conversation with my aunts. I can't really tell you. I know I did one of the um, kind of find your family ancestry, one of those yeah, deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found some numbers, and I just started calling numbers. Last Whoa. name is Fox. My original last name is Fox, O-F-O-X. Uh -huh. And so I picked up an uncle and I think an aunt. And come to find out, I had an uncle that was here in Fort Worth, what? literally. And so that has a whole story behind right. it. But anyways, he told me that my mom passed in 2000, <sighs> biological mom. Yeah. And so, um, and that's kind of speaks to, I, I did play in the NFL. I was always good at it, but I never loved it. Uh-huh. And the driving engine for me playing was to be as popular so the people that my biological family would identify me. Like, I wanted to get so big no. That they saw me on television. Like, this was one of my reasons of actually playing sports. No. And get, now, I was oh good and gosh. talented, and I loved it because I'm a competitor. But I wanted to get so big. Because you always see things like Oprah and all these other shows where, you know, she brings people in. And I think, oh, that's cool. I'm going to get so big that I'm going Oprah, mm. you know, and that type of mm -hmm. deal. Well, it didn't happen. And it's okay. Right. But what did happen, I did find out my mom. And about five years ago, during New Year's, I had a, I really just broke down because it was, I was, understanding, I, I got the story behind everything, and I wasn't mad, but I got more of a closure because I came to find out that I'm never going to physically meet her on yes, this side, and yes, that's okay. Yes, But I also was blessed to see and find out other family members. Mm -hmm. And so um, I love history. Mm -hmm. um, um, that's one of the reasons why, once again, I'm going through the Bible right now. Yeah, but, yeah. And, but I love the Old Testament. I love the history behind anything. I'm a History Channel person. Anybody uh -huh. tell you I love just sitting there and watch history. And even people's history. I like to find out. Like, I like to know, you know, how'd you, where are your people from? Are they I know. from America? Or where, you know, how'd you get too. here? Yeah, I love it. And yeah. so um, so I'm, I'm finding out more and more about me, which uh -huh. is bringing more and more closure wow. to me. And so well, it's helping yeah. me deal with uh, probably things, insecurities, issues, problems, worries, mm. concerns, and fears as a child. And I'm able to do deal with those now as an adult. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you keep in touch with that biological I do. family? Yeah, so we have a you know a text chain you know, oh for my birthdays. Gosh. Uh, I went up there. We've had, of course, my siblings a little bit. Uh, excuse me, my aunts and uncles are a bit older, so we've had a couple of deaths. So I went up there for one of the deaths, okay. and of course, you never you don't want the family to come together because of a funeral, right? But it was it happens, right? Yes. And so sometimes uh, some of the best ways you meet people are through great events. Yeah. And marriages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, terrible events, yeah. you know, catastrophic events. Yeah. And so 
And my thing is, you know, Romans 8 tells us all things work together for good mm-hmm. for the God, for the ones that love God and call it according to his purpose. So good or bad, I was there. Yes. And so I got a chance to meet some. When good, you're good with people. them, were you like, these are my people kind of thing? Like, Yeah, because you... I, I saw the resemblance. Yeah. Um, um, and um, and I just I just really just observed. Yeah. That's when to stay back and observed. Yeah. And just see and look and see how they connected with each other, you know, what was that like? And, you know, people are people everywhere, you know. Families yeah. are, one of the things I know is families are families. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. every family has, you can almost, you know, write out the script of said people in said families and the different type of characters. <laughs> yes. The uncles, the aunts, the you know, so yeah. it's family right. is what it is. So it's cool. And if you look at your family and think, I think we're all normal, then you might be the one. Yeah. You might be the crazy. You might be the the one that has issues. So, um, did your sisters go too? My sister didn't go. Okay. My brother didn't go. Oh, I, I, my des, I, my desire is for us to take a road trip and then yeah. to meet the rest of the family. Yeah. Now my brother, he still has issues. He don't want to know about anything. Really? Because he's the oldest, and so he he is probably has the most trauma. He, yeah. You know what I mean. My yeah. sister's two years younger, but um. The reason why I think I was not have as much, you know, kind of trauma to it is because that's the that was my norm growing up. You know what I mean? Mm. And so I didn't know anything different. Yeah. Except when, did when they, I started getting older. When did they get in foster care? So they was he was he had to be nine, eight. Oh, she had to be six, seven. So yeah. that just their lives complete. They know about living in Akron. Oh. And in Texas and in oh. foster care and knowing our biological yes. mom. And so they know about all of these other things, and I and I didn't because I was born later. But they yes. were more exposed. To yeah. Those things. So yeah. Did you grow up knowing Jesus? Yeah. So I um, so I was born and raised in church my entire life. Okay. Yeah. So, um, by ten, I accepted my calling to the ministry, Mm-mm. like to be a preacher. Ten. But it was more like that was the thing you do. Right. Okay. It was all just right. like we grew up in the church and the people that got all the praise, especially in the early 90s and in the 80s, that's kind of the area I grew up in, mm-hmm. were um, the athletes, mm-hmm. right? Um, the people on the street, like the big time drug dealers, right? These mm-hmm. are the most popular people. The and athletes, then, drug dealers. And then like the preachers. Wait. Like that was, that was my life. Like they were the most, you know. And, wow. That's yeah. like. That is totally different. That's yeah. foreign to me. Yeah, that's that's what it was like. Athletes, you go home, drug in, dealers, or in Fort Worth in the nineties, gangs were extremely bad. Uh huh. Had many friends to die from those things. Oh my gosh! But the people who had all of the money, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money, so uh-huh. the people that had the money were the drug dealers, right? And then, but um, and so they were popular, you uh-huh. know, because they had money. Yeah. But then, of course, you had the athletes. You had the Bo Nose and the Michael Jordan. Yeah, oh, yeah. So you looked up to them. Yeah. But then when you got to like I was we call we call ourselves drug babies by because we were drug to church. We oh. were drug on Wednesdays, Sundays. <laughs> like I was there almost every day of the week. My father was a deacon. Yeah. So I was kind of a drug baby. And that uh-huh. being said, I was just drugged to church every Sunday. And so the people that got all of the acclaim were the pastor. Ah. Was the preacher. Everybody wanted to come and shake the pastor's hand. Oh yeah. Everybody wants to hug and talk to the pastor. Yeah. And so I had those influences in my life, and you know, and so I, I do believe 
I do believe, I do remember having a dream. I'm not saying it was a prophecy or anything, but it was me in front of people speaking to them in a church setting. So in my head, I thought that was my calling. Yeah. Right? When you were 10. When my 10. Oh my now, I ha- now, I haven't, I've never been a person that done any drugs. Um, and I'm not saying that I walk on water, but I've never been a person that um, did anything that was going to probably physically, you know, kind of hurt me. I saw a lot. Right. Right. And so I wanted to do opposite of those, those, uh-huh. those things. And yeah. then I had a father that would help you do opposite of those things right. too as well. Because he was old school. You know, he was just really firm. Mm-hmm. And some of that worked. It worked for me. It necessarily didn't work for my brother or my sister, you know, because every child, you know, takes and receives things differently. Absolutely. And they still, I partially think they still were dealing with trauma. Absolutely. You know, they yes. just adopted, foster care, divorce. You know, now they're young teenagers. Mm-hmm. And did do were they into drugs? Uh, my o- my older brother was okay. Yeah, my sister's not as much. But you watched. You I watched, watched them, some of them, struggle. and not just him. It's just the whole work. It was just an epidemic in the early nineties. Oh. It was really really bad. Yeah, my good friend, his name was Jay uh, Legron. He we were at church. He was supposed to be at church, and he gets killed in 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 Stop Six Texas, and that was life altering for me. Like that moment really he changed was, my life. He was killed. Killed, shot in the head. You know, over a Wait. drug deal back. He's two years older than me. I think I'm in fifth grade. I think he's in seventh grade. No. And he's a full out drug dealer. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Seventh grade. Yeah. But this is. How do you deal with that as a fifth grader? You you, as this because it was the norm. It was you know. Oh. If if you can if you would ask anybody, um, probably my age. Around my age, they grew up in the late 80s and 90s. That's when drugs hit Fort Worth by storm. Uh-huh. And gangs and violence hit Fort Worth. It was just really, really bad. So yeah. every other weekend, we were at a funerals. Oh, And my so it hurt, gosh. but it was not shocking. And that's, all of that's bad. The yeah. fact that it's not shocking. The yeah. fact that you're doing it every other weekend. Yeah. Um, I had friends in high school, Roland Groom. He's going to be our starting safety I think I was a freshman. I think he was a sophomore. And I think two weeks before training camp happens, he gets killed. Like, it's it's just You've it got a lot so of bad. people in your brain that that yeah. happened to. Yeah. And but so- you were protected in I was. some way. You were like- Oh, absolutely. I had a community, I call it wise men. Uh-huh. Um, my father, he was, he was more, um, our relationship changed. My, um, so- when my parents divorced, my bro- older brother, they left after about three years because it was my father, my sister, and my brother. Now, these are my biological. Yeah. But they left after about two or three years because my father's pretty tough. Like, he's a really strict disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. But my father, his nickname, the reason why I get this now that I'm older mm-hmm. and me and his relationship changing, we start having conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, m- when we grew up, it was more as do as I say, not as I do. Okay. Right. And okay. And so- that mentality is what I needed to change when I knew I was going to raise my kids. Oh, I was like, yeah. I need you to do as I say and as yes. I do. Yeah, and understanding that the daddy is still flawed. Yeah, but don't smoke cigarettes and then tell me not to smoke cigarettes because that don't add up to me. Exactly. And exactly. so, but he was once again, but me understanding how he grew up. He was the oldest of his of his family. He had to be the man in charge at the age of 12, mm-hmm. right? This is 50s, 60s mm-hmm. um, in Abilene, Texas, and in yeah. Fort Worth, Texas. A lot yeah. of issues that he had to deal with. 
Um, and um, um, and and he, his nickname was Penn, short for Penitentiary, because he had did some time in the penitentiary. When was that? This has got to be seventies, eighties. Okay, so before yeah, before all okay, of this. Okay, okay. But this all shaped who he who was. He yeah. And so that's why he was so strict. Yeah. Now my siblings didn't know that. Yeah. They just thought he was just a mean. But as they left, me and his relationship started to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so me and him got closer because he was more open to open up to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's why you yes. that's why you say that. That's yeah. why you don't want me to do that. That's why you don't want me to go there. That's why right. you say this. And that's why it's hard for you to do. You tell me something, but it's yeah. hard for you to do because you've had a life of building yeah. habits. Yes. But and you it, don't want was, me to get started on that, right? Yes. But yeah. it's also understanding. Yeah. Like I can't, I, w- I wanted my siblings to know who my father was. Yeah. Because y'all don't know him. Y'all don't know pieces of him. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a, 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 I think that's the challenge in the world, period, uh-huh. is that we don't know each other. Uh-huh. We only know pieces of each other. Yep. Of what we've heard mm-hmm. of each other. And we don't sit down and engage into these conversations. Mm-hmm. And so when I engage into these conversations more in an intimate way, I started to understand who my father was and why he was the way he was. Yeah. And loved him for all he was. Yes. Yes. That makes so much and so sense. So I grew up and then it was just, it was just, you know, my, my good friend died. I had a better relationship with my father. So my pieces, God started putting my pieces together the way that I knew how to understand it mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And so, because I believe God knows how to speak to all of his children uniquely and differently. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. It's personal. So it's absolutely personal. personal. Yeah. And so as I was raised up in the church, um, I was involved into everything about the church. Uh-huh. Ushers, we had drill teams, we had step teams, we was in a choir. Oh, what we are drill mission. and step teams? I don't know what those are. So uh, we actually have them at Bethlehem. Uh, in, have you ever seen, do you do you know about um, fraternities, fraternities, sororities? And yeah, fraternities? yeah. So they do step shows, right? So we took those ideas and put those in the church and the young oh. people did those things. And that's the way I we express ministry. Yeah. And so it's like a way to church, worship. We're going to do It's their way to worship. Yeah. And so students, as a youth minister, I found out, and you know this as a children's minister, first of all, everybody worships differently. Yeah. It's not a monopoly on worshiping. <laughs> yes, right? Yes. Um, but I think sometimes we get into these places and spaces where we want everybody, like, you know, I love our worship leaders. I get it. Yeah. Um, I fully get it. You want people to participate. But somebody's worship might just be sitting still with a tear in their eye. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? And so I, I learned as a youth minister, I can't get upset if my students don't want to stand in worship. Mm-hmm. I always tell them, you worship in the way that God wants you to worship. That's good. And whatever that looks like. If yeah. that means you want to stand on your feet or you want to bow at the altar. Right. It's your worship experience. Right. Even if it's lackluster or limited, that's your worship experience. Yeah. Because while I'm here, I want I want to worship. When I think once as children and young adults... Sometimes we don't have places and times to worship in community mm-hmm. when we're always in charge. Mm-hmm. And so I just stopped it. I just came from the pulpit and I was like, no, nah, I'm going to worship because I have to preach. Mm-hmm. And y'all do whatever y'all want to. Y'all know the standard that we have at our church. Yeah. Right? And um, and I think it gives, when they see leaders worship, uh-huh. you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it gives them you know the license to, okay, cool. You know, he's not even looking at me. He's trusting me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's see what, you know, so I That's say that. That's great. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, all that being said, um, yeah, my, um, my 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 growing up was different. Did all this stuff in the church. And you felt called to being a pastor. 
No, not a pastor, just at, a minister. At 10. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. so, yeah. I never wanted to be a pastor, <laughs> per se. And that grew as I got older because I don't want the responsibilities that these pastors <laughs> yeah. have. Yeah. Just don't want to do it. Right. Now, the, the term, even the term pastor in the African-American context only is regulated to the senior pastor. Oh, okay. Right? okay. It's not yeah. until recent that you have uh, okay. an acceptance of a youth pastor, mm-hmm. uh, young adult pastor, an executive pastor. Okay. But now that's starting to be kind of the norm, too. Right. So, but yeah, that being said, I grew up in a church and that it was the thing. It was my rock. Mm. Right. It was it was the kind it was the most Jesus was the most constant thing mm. in my life that when I grew up, the thing that I loved about him the most is he never was going to leave me. Mm. So that um, fear of being left mm. didn't apply to the God I served. Uh, so it was he was my rock. Yes. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. I want to jump to sports. Sure. And what part that played in your life. Um. Let's see. Um, you started playing I, football, or did you play all the things? I played everything. I played in, in, in my freshman. I played all four sports. Okay. Um, track, baseball, basketball, and football. Now here's some interesting things. Oh, good. I stopped playing baseball first because curveball stopped curving and it hit me in the chest, and I was like, "I'm done with this. I'm gonna run track." <laughs> track. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Because track and and baseball we were doing the same season, so I was doing both and working full time job, forty hours a week. Full time? You can add, yeah. Full time? 40 hours a week. Where were you working? Sonic in Fort Worth. Why? Because I had to. Um, I don't even know how that time works. Like, you're also in school? Yeah, absolutely. School? School. Leave from practice at about 5 or 6. Go work till 11 at Sonic every day. And if it's not, if I don't have a game um, on Saturday or Sunday, then I'm working all that day. Oh. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. And so part of it is you didn't really have time to I didn't get have in too time much to get trouble. trouble. Like, people like, do you remember high school? I was like, I remember Sonic. <laughs> and remember football games. <laughs> like, I, I, I was blessed. I was homecoming prom. And I was like, I don't even remember those things. What you... I do remember is after homecoming, I had to go close at Sonic. Like, that's what I remember. No. But it, no, it wasn't okay, that anyways, but it was just, my life yeah. was just... And and because it probably needed that way because uh-huh. it was a lot of things to get involved in. That's true. Yeah. And so, and that's why probably my dad didn't have a lot of fuss about me because, you know, I didn't have to tell him, Dad, I'm going to be here here. Because he knows if he I knew. wasn't at school, I was in a game, I was at church, or I was at the job. Yeah. I was there on really well in four locations. Yeah. That I probably was going to be at. Wow. And then once again, chaos was still around me. I still had friends smoking weed. You know, yeah, it's high school. Just like everybody else. And uh, yeah. so I wanted to, and then I wanted to make my community proud. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted, mm-hmm. I was big on, I'm going to be the person. No, I want to be Moses. Mm-hmm. You know, or Joshua. I want to make, get the people to the promise land. Moses never mm-hmm. made it. But that's, that's what I wanted to feel like. And once again, the push was to become so popular that my biological family wow. find out who I was. So that was always the engine that was driving. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And so for me, sports, once again, I was good at it. Um, my track, you did track. Track. Came, came pretty easy to you. Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really good at track. Um, got, um, the way that I got a scholarship at Texas Tech, because that's where I went. Yes. Is uh, my senior year, I had made a play. Actually, recruits came, of course, from all the different schools. Uh, but it was one play in particular that got me recruited. And it wasn't... Um, 
it was, I was, um, when they came, when the scouts came to Southwest High School, which I went to school mm-hmm. in, um, they really passed by us. They went to other schools that were more talented. I won like six games in like four years in high school football. So you don't get a lot of recruits attention. or recruitment yes, or attention, yes. right? But it was other coaches that said, you need to go look at this kid from really? Southwest. Yeah, the coach from O.D. Wyatt was uh-uh. like, you need to go look at this kid. He's special. Wow. And so they come and they watch a family that's like Texas Tech offered. And so that's how I went there. And uh-huh. I ran track and played football for them too at as well. Tech. At Tech. So it was it was it was a just a blessing, man. It was awesome. Scared. Um Texas Tech, I think, had to be ninety nine point nine percent white. Oh my so gosh. So I was just nervous because I come from an all black kind of space. Uh-huh. Um Yeah. What does that feel like? Alone. You get alone. But you know, we went a week early, so a lot of the, my teammates, of course, were different, you know, uh, black, yes. white, and they did a really job of accepting us, because mm-hmm. sports does a really good job of getting people together. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and so, getting to you, know people and that to you know people. never would have known. Absolutely. Or, and yeah. Abilene, Florida, you know, by the time you get to college in sports, a lot of people are known from the places that they come from. So we might have... You might call somebody Florida or Tennessee uh-huh. or Fort Worth yeah. or, you know, D-Town, Houston, H-Town. You know, we were. Yeah. And it was fun because we found out we come from so many, so many different locations, but we're real similar. Yeah. In our drive. Okay. Kind of what makes us go in our competitive yeah. nature. And we start yeah, yeah, finding yeah. common denominators then even outside of sports when we start uh-huh. building these relationships. Yeah. And that's when it becomes the people that you become best friends with for the rest of your life. Right. You're still close sports. to these very first person that I met on Tech's campus, uh-huh. period, at freshman orientation, right, was Ryan Cruz. Uh-huh. He has been my best friend since that time. I have another no. friend. He was a guy named Kevin Curtis. He coaches at Baylor right now. He's the one that was my host on my recruiting visit. Uh-uh. He has been my best friend since that point. No morning. way. And so it's, you just meet amazing people yeah. that have similar personalities. Um, and so I was really thankful to... Meet and greet these people that you, I call friend forever. I, absolutely. Yeah. Did you feel a pressure to see, like, co- being a college ath- athlete, that's a lot of pressure. Sure. Yeah. You, not not more than I put on myself. Oh, okay. Because, I mean. You're your, you're your biggest. If I can survive Fort Worth in the 80s and 90s, yeah. foster, adopt, divorce. You're like. I got Sports this. is Cadillac. It's easy. <laughs> that is, yes. You know, that's easy. You know, when we start thinking about, you know, um, what people go through, um, you know, I, I, I truly, I go and talk to schools like the Phoenix. This is an alternative school right there. And I go and talk to the students right uh-huh. there. And I said, now listen, I get it. Your life is hard. I get it. I am so sorry. I apologize, but I completely understand what you've been through. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. But most of those people in there want to play sports. At Phoenix. At the Phoenix. You know, okay. they, well, you know, as soon as they hear that I play football, they want they're... to tell me their football stories. Oh, okay. Which is a bridge, not a problem. Yes. I said, now, why are you not playing football? Mm-hmm. Well, the coach doesn't like me. And we, and then we start having, engaging to these conversations, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's was, like, why does the coach not like you? Right. And then we get to find more things out where yeah. it's really not the coach. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, some of it is our kids have had hard childhoods, hard things. And I, and I try to be as honest with them because they're in a place where life is just hitting them. Yeah. I said, let me tell you this tidbit about life. It doesn't get easier. Yeah. And you're going to have people, a lot more people in your life that are authority figures that might not like you. Right. And it's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. Um, 
how you deal with those things is going to change you into the person that you want to be. Yeah. Do you give up or let them define you? Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And how you're dealing with it is allowing life to beat you and you don't have to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because one of the things you'll find out that it's consistent. If you're saying that people in your life are trying to hold you down, well, that's the consistent. So you need to change the variable by how you handle that because they're not changing. So you have to be the variable that changes how you handle them. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see other things in your life started changing for the better. So good. It's so good. Yeah. So for me, it's my, my father was hard. Uh-huh. I had a coach named name was Dick Winder. He came on the first week there. He cussed me out. He cussed up all the receivers. Oh, gosh. Right? You mother blank and blanks. And, no. And I'm sitting here with my... Because I knew what it felt like to get cussed out. Mm-hmm. I had a hard father. You already, yeah. So it didn't move me. And yeah. I try to tell the students, listen, life, I know it's hard right now, but it's pruning you and growing you for yeah. something that you're going to be great at later on in Absolutely. life if you learn how to deal with this right now. Absolutely. My father was hard, but he's some of the reasons what I went from college. And by my first year, I started the next four years in high school, yeah. in college, yeah, because of the things that I experienced as a younger person. Right. And... And and I'm thankful for that. You yeah. know, you're not thankful during the time. No. You know no, what I mean? But it's it's preparing you it's for the next step. It's always preparing you. Mm-hmm. Everything is always preparing you for right. the next step in life. Right. Everything is. So then after tech, you were drafted. Yeah, I got drafted by Oakland. What, 99th was, what in the world? What was that like? But I feel like you might, it I was, think you're I'm the getting first, closer. You're the first person I've talked to in yeah. face-to-face that has played for NFL. Well, there you go. I feel, feel like something <laughs> special. Right here. So drafted. Yeah. So and you were like, I'm getting maybe my birth. I'm getting closer. Yeah. Okay. So in college, I did it, but it was more regional. Like people mm-hmm. in Texas knew me. Yeah. Yes. You know. You know that. But I needed to go national now. Uh huh. My motivation started to change then, though. Like me being popular for the sake of people I've never met. This that motivation is starting to be lessened. At this particular time. I wonder time. why. Because it's me. Now it's me as I'm in NFL. I'm starting to date this young lady. Mm-hmm. And my motivation starts about, what about my family? Oh. Like, what do I want? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I want, you know, um, I'm, I'm getting ready to be engaged. I'm getting ready to be married. I want to start a family. What's most important? The thing that I'm chasing on, the thing that's in, in my face. So my motivation starts to change. Yeah. Right? And so the, as much as I love the NFL, once again, I enjoyed it. But it wasn't my life. And uh-huh. I've always told God, when it's time for me to walk away, just let me know, and I promise you I'll walk away. That's good, yeah. Because, I mean, you, you know, you've heard about these guys. that have. I have friends right now that have some, they're getting full medical benefits from the NFL because they have some serious trauma. Oh, serious trauma. Really? And it's serious. I mean, I've been hit hard before. Yeah. Really, really hard. And I'm very thankful that I'm very functioned. Activities of my limbs can think and preach. You know, I'm not older. You know, yeah. And so, uh, you have my friends last, that literally have like, right now at, brain. in the age of 39, 40, 41, they have some serious brain damage. That is so. And they're sad. challenged by being a parent, a father, right now, or being a husband because they have brain damage. Because they have they have serious brain damage right that now. That is they so have sad. Memory loss. Where they forget their kids' names. You know, and. Um, I was, no. I, I was on a friend the other day. I won't call his name out, but he played with me at the Raiders and then he played at the other locations. And mid-conversations, he says, now, who am I talking to again? Oh, gosh. And so I, I just say all that because- God I pulled to you be, out. Yeah. God, God was like, okay, it's time. Yeah. And so I got hurt and I was like, okay, it's time. Yeah. And my motivation is changing. I'm not caring about being famous anymore. Uh-huh. 
It's not famous because I want a lot of money and a lot of notoriety. It's famous for this particular reason. Right. But that is not holding me hostage anymore. Yeah. It's me now. Okay. I'm getting excited for my next steps in my own personal mm. life right now. Like my family. Did you have kids? I do. I have three. I have. But uh, at, when you were playing, did you have no, kids? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. My, what's funny is I have 11, 10, and six year old. Uh-huh. Right. And so I was, I'm recently divorced. Okay. And it, I don't, you know, uh, things happen. Yeah. But I love being a father. Yeah. I love having my kids. I love yeah. them. Okay. Just, tell me what you love about being a dad. <sighs> it's it's a lot. <laughs> spending, a lot that you like? Just spending or? time. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. I just, sometimes I just like looking at them. Really? Yes. Absolutely. Wait, tell me what the genders. So, um, uh, the six-year-old is a boy, Carter. Yes. My daughter's 10, okay. Carly, and my oldest son is Carlos. He's a junior. Okay. And and just spending time, seeing them think and process uh-huh. is something that I love. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'm, you know, we'll have engaging conversation. we have biblical conversation. My son, he's 11, he's turning 12, which I think, you know, that's a biblical age of accountability. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, they none have been baptized because I don't pressure any of them. Right. Yeah. I just engage into conversations with them. So what does that look like? You're sitting around, sitting dinner table or what yeah. What does it look like for you to engage in faith conversations with your kids? So, okay. Um, me and my oldest son, I actually, all my kids, we love mm-hmm. Marvel. Okay. Yes. Right. Uh-huh. And so um, – Thanos, uh-huh. you know, are, are these other people, are these Thanos. Yeah. A lot of Marvel have a lot of biblical undertones in them. Uh-huh. Like one, one, one perfect one is Superman. Yeah. And so me and my son, I have a conversation about the similarities between Jesus and Superman. Mm-mm. Right? And I said, son, what is, how is Jesus similar to Superman? Oh, he asked me, dad, doesn't that sound like, kind of like, kind of like Jesus? And I was like, well, explain it to me because I want you, you to articulate me. me. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, well, he comes from kind of another place. He comes to this place and he has superpowers and the only thing that he really wants to do is help people. Uh-huh. It's save people's oh, lives. Oh, that's bringing Jesus right? to their, like like putting together Jesus in their interest. Yeah, absolutely. Which His we dad's name that. is. I yeah. forgot what Superman's dad's name is. Oh yeah, I don't know. It's it's like a it's like a, a biblical name, like like everything they it's very intentional on what they did, yeah. what they've done in the past. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um and so that you know those type of deals, mm-hmm. you know, we just we'll see something. Oh, they hear me preach a sermon. Yeah. And they was like, and they <laughs> they like to make they like they tease me about about certain things or like certain illustrations because sometimes I use them as an illustration. Do they like, like your? Do they appreciate your preaching? Absolutely, they do because okay. I'll talk to them about yeah. the sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We'll talk. We'll have conversations about the sermon. Right. That I preach, or I'll ask them for an illustration about kind of. What does it mean? What is a good hope illustration, guys? And they'll say, well, do you remember in said movie in Sing? Yes. When the elephant, you know, she felt all alone and all this other thing. And then the little muskrat guy came and he believed in her. And Uh like, they'll just give me these illustrations. And some of them I use and some of them I don't. But the fact that they're relating uh-huh. Um, some biblical theolo- theological points to it's some practical so illustration. It's yes. awesome. And, and so you're engaging have, them in that. Yeah. And I so, love it. Yeah, that's, that's, and so we'll just talk about what is salvation? Mm-hmm. What is baptism? Like when we do communion, yes. I'll be like, do you understand why we're doing that and why yeah. you can't partake in that right now at this particular yeah, yeah, time? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, dad, what's up with that? I'll be like, yeah, what's up with that? 
And so we just have fun, you know? Yeah. And, and to, you know, then I'm getting to the point where I feel like my older two are really starting to get a grasp uh-huh. on things. Yes. And so our conversations are starting to shift a little bit deeper mm-hmm. about how they feel about Jesus. Right. Not how dad feels about Jesus. Right. How but do you feel about you? Jesus? Yeah. yeah. When, when I say sin, what is that? Does Means, that mean to you? Yeah. That's yeah. a big word. Yeah. It's a church sin, word. Oh yeah, God. yeah, yeah. But you heard daddy say that a thousand times. Mm-hmm. What does it what mean? What does that mean to you? Yeah. Yeah. What things do you want your kids to experience that you experience from your dad? Um, and then we can flip the question. Oh, and yeah. Go, what do you want to change? What are the things that you've wanted to do differently? Growth. Mm-hmm. I've seen big time growth in my father. Oh. You know, I've seen huge growth in him. Yeah. Um, and you want to be someone that's growing. Too. I want them yeah. to see dad trying to get better oh, every single day. That's good. That's good. You know, so yeah, growth. <clears throat> I want them to see growth. I always tell them, uh, you know, um, dad makes mistakes too. And I tell them when I make mistakes, mm-hmm. I said, dad could have did this better. Yeah. I could have responded or could have said these things differently. Yeah. Could have did this better. And then, oh, my daughter said, Daddy, I'm so proud of you. And Aww. I'm like, why? Because you remember when you did it this time, and now you said, or, you know, because I only really get frustrated in them when they don't do their homework or something academic. <laughs> Other than that, like, we built forts. I don't care. They're kids. Let right. them tear up the house. I really don't care. Right, right. But the only time they get my attention, great time. When they're not doing their work, they're not doing those that things. That matters to you. That matters to me. <laughs> Academics matter to me. Mm-hmm. And... um and they're kids, and I get that. Yeah. Right? I get yeah. that. But now how I respond is differently how I responded last year. And last year, it was probably COVID, and I had to be the teacher at the same time. Oh, gosh. So it was I challenging. Know. And your patience is very thin. <laughs> right? Very thin. But yeah. now I'm going to be intentional about, mm. wait, pause, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Wait. And not flip change out my, them. Change my facial features because they see my face mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And they like, my daughter be like, Dad, you didn't, even, you didn't even get mad at us this time. Uh-uh. And so for me, I want them to see growth. Because I saw growth in my father. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. yeah. What about things that you want to do different? I mean, um, we all have things that we're like, yeah. man, I want to do that. Sense the more sensitive side of me. I didn't really see the sensitive side to my dad. Huh. Uh, you know, I, I you know, I tell my my one of the things my dad really never <laughs> did, and I'm not judging him. He's really never told me he loved me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I don't tell him that 10 times a day, I feel terrible. Yeah. Like, I, I want them to know your daddy loves you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care what you do. I don't yeah. care where you go. I don't care what you say. Mm-hmm. Your daddy loves yeah. you. Yeah. I need you to always know. You know daddy loves you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. That you sensitivity. Said, you said on Sunday, it's interesting, because on Sunday, I think you said that your dad said men shouldn't cry. Yeah. That was a that was just a staple growing up. Men don't cry. We're tough. Like, we're tough, we're tough, we're tough. Uh-huh. And it took my kids to help me. Like, it was the first time that I really broke down in front of anybody, oh, in yeah. front of them. And my daughter said, it's okay. Mm. Boy, it got me. So, yeah, my kids are helped, they're helping to grow me. Yeah. You know. Um, Do you think that's a, we're a part of a generation now where we're okay with like letting mm-hmm. down our guard. Like you don't, it's not like your peers, you feel like sure. are okay with crying now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we, growing up. It was different for It us. was different. A lot of things are changing. A lot yeah. of kids are more accepting. Oh man, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're more sensitive to other cultures, other ethnicities. Mm-hmm. They don't mind. They're the generation of why. Mm-hmm. Well, how come we can't do that? 
<laughs> yeah, where we were like, okay, yeah. like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whatever parents say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. You know, yeah. which is fine, but it's okay for my kids to say, well, daddy, why? Yeah. And You're okay not with just, that. And it wasn't complete, okay with your dad. It was not okay. Right. It was his word is law. Yeah. Is it, has it been hard for you to do something different than what you experienced? No, it's very easy. It's easy. It's easy for me. Because remember, I grew up in a place where when everybody was going right in high school and mm-hmm. sports, I went left. Huh. And so that was a habit I grew early up in life. And wow. so now as an adult, it's so much easier to do. Like, okay, that's, it's, is, it, is that right? No, it's wrong. So just don't do it. So it's easy for me to say no. Which goes back to your point of like, you never know what God's preparing you for. Yeah, right. Having to do the different thing was preparing you for for, today. For being a different parent. And not not different parent as far as a better parent. I think some things I do are better than my parents did. But the the things that my kids are going to do when they have children are going to be better than us. Which we we desire. mm -hmm. You know, I want that constant growth in them too. But different as far as... I, I, it's just because it's accepted, that don't mean it's right. Exactly. Exactly. And so I don't care what 80 other parents do. Uh-huh. Is that right? Is it morally and ethically? Yeah. Does it line up with the Bible? Yeah. And even if it does, how do we display that? How do we reveal that to right. our kids? Okay. Right. That's important right. as well. Yeah, that's good. And I think, I think it's very challenging to be able to discern in the moment sometimes what is right to God and what is the culture saying. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think it's important for you to be a person that reads the Bible. I agree. Like, because that needs to be your basis for truth. And if you don't read it, then you're... Joe, I'm reading, I'm going through this chronological Bible and it's hidden Job. And, you know, um, Job was one of those people that, you know... Even his wife and some other people's like, man, you need to go and curse God and get on out of here. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh-huh. You know, when he had ever reason to cuss out God, uh-huh. and I mean that, right? To, you know, <laughs> yes. He had pigs, dogs, yeah. kids. <laughs> I mean, my God. <laughs> and, um, but he did what was right. Yeah. And that's what it really boils down to. Yeah. You know, um, showing, being, being a father. The, being the best father that I can be, yeah. not just the best father, you know, Perry, but the best father that I can be is tr- constantly trying to do what's right. Yeah. And even when I do wrong, try to be better. Yep. Learn. Grow. And grow. Yeah. Yeah. How have you come to know God deeper by being a dad? Oh, that's a good question. I really understand what grace is uh-huh. and patience. Like I, I have a new perspective on, on. Um, uh, I love the fact that God knows how to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. I love that because mm-hmm. He knows I'm a unique, slow person at times. Like He knows, <laughs> but it, it blesses me because I'm learning how to communicate uh, to my kids, both collectively and individually. Yes. Yes. And so in sharing with them that some of the grace that I show Carter may not be some of the grace that I show Carlos. Mm. It's not any less or more love to any of that, yeah. though, but it's learning how to deal with right. my kids individually. Get, can you give me an example of that? Like grace to one child versus grace to another. Uh, of course, Carlos is older. Uh-huh. 
And so things that I've told him before, right. I hold him more responsible for. Mm-hmm. Carter's the youngest one. And so although he's listening and he hears dad's voice, you know, I'll tell him, uh, hey, Carter, um, I'm going to need you to uh, pick up your toys. Yeah. Right. Well, he sees Superman on the screen. Yeah. And he watches Superman for the next 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I say, hey, Carter, pick up your toys. Yeah. And I might go through that three times with him. And okay, that's grace. Right. My older, I'm not saying it more than probably twice. Yeah. Because I have yeah, a yeah, different yeah. expectation with him. Uh-huh. Because we have, we, we, have a, we have a more intimate relationship, me and Carlos do, than Carter does. But you've had more time. Because I've had, and people think that's the bad. No, I mean, he just knows me more because we've had more time together. Mm-hmm. Right. And yes. so for me, is my God knows me. And the more that I'm learning about him, he knows me. Yeah. He gets it, but I'm learning about him, right? And the more I'm learning about him, the more I'm appreciative of the time he spends invested in me and the more that I'm getting to know why he asks me or tells me or suggests to me or influences me to do certain things. Right, right. But also why he holds me accountable <clears throat> to those things too because yeah. as I get to know him, I'm responsible for the things I'm getting to know him know about, about him. Yeah, yeah. So my son, he knows my facial expressions. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, he knows when my voice starts to change. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's because we spend more time together. Right. And so that's, for me, that's the correlation. Right. Now, some of that doesn't apply to my daughter because she's the only girl. And, <laughs> and it's a whole different thing. And it's just, you know, it's the Gentiles <laughs> and the Israelites sometimes. Like, my boys oh are the Gentiles. Gosh. And my, my daughter's God's chosen people. Oh my you know gosh. what I mean? Like this is great. <laughs> and then you're like, man, forget it. I ain't worried about that. It'll be, it's what it is. Right. That's my daughter. That's my sunshine. Boys, you'll be all right. Yeah. You know. You think that's okay? Yes. Truly, abso- it's okay. Absolutely it is. Yes. Because it's not like, you know, I have Carter time, Carter and Daddy time. Yeah. And I call it that on purpose. Uh-huh. You know, I said, yeah. okay, it's Carter, Carter and Daddy time. Yeah. And we'll go out and we'll do our thing. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And then me and Carlos, we'll talk about Marvel right. all day, every day. Right. But I don't have that connection with Marvel that I have with my daughter. Yeah. I don't have like a specific Carly and Daddy time like I do with Carter. Uh-huh. And so she, this is how we connect. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, Daddy, can I have the last? Yeah. Well, sure. Dad, she, yeah. Can we go? Yeah. Can I have? Yeah. It's- <laughs> yeah. But great. daddy, you told, um, but you said, I, I know, son. But I'm the dad, so yeah. I can decide that, which is, yeah. isn't that how and God is? O- and it's okay. That's okay, too. Yeah. You know, he, I was having a conversation with somebody. He gets to call the like, shots. Yeah. Sometimes I'm not going to give my kids why. It's just do. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I th- yeah. I think that's also important. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when dad speaks, I, I, I don't need a response. I just, just need obedience. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, and. And, uh, and 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 the more times you spend with the kids, the more they understand that because they get to know you. Yeah. Why you were asking them Why, to do yeah. something. Why it actually turned by, out better. By tone, yeah. by inflection, yeah. by intensity. they like, they okay, dad is saying it this way. Yeah. He means this needs to get done right now. Yeah. Versus that, look, that sounded like more of a question. Yeah, that's good. And they're learning more about me. So it's just time spent. That's good. Okay. Anything else? Any last Words of wisdom for us, Carlos. Um, as a parent, 
Any, you know what? Anything really, anything really? you could say as a parent, sure, as a parent. Yeah, but here's, I think I said this there. I said because life is challenging, uh-huh. and and as much as the valleys are in life, for me personally, I've learned more about God in a valley than I have in a mountaintop. Wow! And so the valleys are okay. Yeah. Yeah, you get to Absolutely. see the love of Christ yeah. in the valley. Yeah. I've been at the mountain. I've been at draft day. Yeah. I've been all of those things. And they were great times. And you experience God through those. Absolutely. It's not, it's not that you don't. But yeah, there's but something. That, you know, some of those quiet desert <sighs> places that even Jesus experienced in Matthew chapter 4, mm. you know, your faith you know, it grows mm-hmm. from there. Yeah. And uh, sometimes on the mountaintop, you can take it, you can take advantage of some of those things. Yeah. But in the valley, he it really makes clear how much he really does love you. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm very, I'm thankful for both. Yeah. And it'll be okay. Yeah. My boys love hearing stories about when I was little and I got into trouble or messed something up. I'm not going to share the stories here right now. (laughs) I guess I could. They're pretty funny. But there are several stories that they have asked me to tell them over and over again. And they're not my best moments as a child, but they love them. And they'll even ask my sister Kendall for her perspective. And she always adds some really hilarious details. So why do my boys enjoy these stories? I mean, maybe it's because they are entertaining. But maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's because it gives them a picture of areas that I've grown in, places where I wasn't perfect and grew from it. I think our kids need to see that we are humans. We're their parents, but we are humans. We make mistakes. We aren't the same people we were 20 years ago. We are growing. I love that point Carlos made about his dad. And how it matters that his kids see him as someone who is growing. And ultimately, it helped Carlos understand his dad when he took the time to learn about his dad's rough parts. He heard more of his dad's story. His dad was a real person with stories, some painful. So tonight at dinner, try it. Think back to your childhood. And share a story about a time you made a mistake. And it could be a little mistake, but you know, you did something where you got in trouble. And talk about what you learned from it. How'd you grow from it? And, and just be prepared that you might have to recount that story several times. But just try it. Okay, thank you guys for listening. Man, would you share this with a friend? That would be so encouraging to me. And also, I want to tell you about something I am starting. So if you go on the homepage of my website, at the very bottom, you'll see a place to sign up for y'all. Yes, it's called y'all. And here's why. I want to be friends with you. And if you're one of my friends, like someone that is part of my life, I mean, you can ask. You can ask my friends like Fran or Steph or Haley or any of the 13 Auburn friends that when I am excited about sharing a story, I always start with y'all and then go into my exciting story. It's just you you can ask them. They'll vouch for me. Um, So y'all will be monthly delivered to your inbox. It'll include a good story and a few of the latest things that are giving me life. 
and it'll be a way that maybe we can be better friends because I really, really appreciate you. I appreciate you listening and it's just super encouraging to me and I want to know who you are. All right. I will talk to y'all next time.